Welcome back, Juventini, to the Juventinita Back to Black and White podcast. My name is Daniel Negro, as you all know, and we're live from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today we're going to be go we're going to be going over the post match for Juve Fetting Varos. And yes, I know that game's been passed for a while, and we've also played another game. So why are we doing this? Well, we have to have some continuity. I love to have uh, you know obviously new guests, past guests, but I think this was kind of key to Juve's consistency issue. We've always seen Juve, either if it's after the uh, international break or before, or, you know, a couple games after, we see this lull. Well, fortunately enough, we got a 2 nothing win against Cagliari. Now, the game wasn't perfect, as it always isn't. And I think this was the perfect test to see if we could, you know, rally a couple wins. And I've been saying this for a while now. Uh, Juve's got to show up in bunches, not just, you know, one game look good and then look bad for the next two games which again, you guys will know because we've played Benevento already. Um, and then again, you've got, you've known my issues. So the computer issues that I've had, this should have come a lot earlier, I would say. Um, so this is obviously going to be filmed after the Davide podcast, which is going to come next in line after this one. Uh, so just bear that in mind. But I think uh, all these issues and all these talking points are all relevant. So whether we talk about it now or earlier, I think we've got something to say. Again, I want to see uh, how my guest thinks about how we're playing so far this game, even in the next game. And uh, kind of an OG. Um, obviously, we had some good connections on the uh, WhatsApp group. Unfortunately, I'm not a part of. But uh, it's really nice to see him again. Um, the second, the two-parter, the only two-part podcast we've had so far because we talked so much on the first one. but. Uh, Farouk, welcome. Obviously, I think a lot of you guys know him as at Forza Piemonte, but uh, and obviously, if you are still in the WhatsApp group, you know exactly who I'm talking about. But Farouk, thank you for coming on. Uh, you know the Juventino from San Fran. How's it going? Great. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I know it's really nice to see you again, man. Um, I know lives are busy and you know this whole COVID stuff, but it's really great to have you back on again and. Um, yeah, let's get right into it. We don't have to do any, you know, fan moments or anything like that. So we can get straight right into the action. Perfect. We look at the schedule. Obviously, like I said, we've played Benevento on the road. But I think December is a huge month. Obviously, tomorrow going to be December 1st. Um, we got Kiev, Dinamo Kiev. Then we have the Derby de la Mole, which is huge. Two games back to back. Then we go to Barcelona and play uh, for the group, essentially, if all goes well this week. And, uh, yeah, then against Genoa, Atalanta at home, that's a big game. Um, away to Parma and obviously home to Fiorentina to wrap up the year. Uh, I think all these games are crucial, whether it's a big team or small team. Hopefully we can get a majority of these points because Milan looks like they're on a run. We're already six points back as of today, uh, which isn't, uh, you know, defining or, you know, finishing uh, essentially, that's two games we still have to play against Milan. So that'll recoup, you know, any lost points. We get past that. Okay, now we have a little bit to talk about. The leash gets a little bit tighter around, uh, you know, Pirlo's neck, and and we really could see. But I think a really cool thing, uh, you know, kind of stat figure, Morata's equaled the number of goals scored in Champions League. Five, like just like in his first season at Juve when he, we reached the final in Berlin. So hopefully those are good omens um, reported by Tuto Sport, but 
we have a long way to go. Um, but again, five goals in four games in the UCL. Hopefully, uh, it looks like he's going to be playing uh, this week as well. Uh, but phenomenal uh, for a guy that was really talked about as talked about negatively, which was weird. And 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 if I remember correctly, we didn't have a choice. Um, I really wanted to bring Morata back. It was a lot, large sum of money that Madrid was asking, but I l- believe they had the first right of refusal. So we didn't even have a choice to, you know, they could bring him back if they wanted to. And they did. Um, and then they won another Champions League. So it's it's nice to see him back. It's nice to see him performing. Uh, what were your thoughts, uh, Farouk, on, on bringing Morata to the squad? Yeah, I think um, my first thoughts were that um, Morata was, Juve was kind of his home. Yeah. Because that was the one place that he really settled in. And not only just in terms of his performances, but he... It felt like he psychologically settled in yeah. at the club. And that's something that's hard to do, both for the club and for the player. Um, so I had a good feeling about it, even though there a lot of stuff had happened in the middle and he had kind of fl- fluttered around and not had um, that level of consistency. Um, and then I'm happy to see that um, his instincts are still there. And even though he's getting a lot of offsides, um, I think those things will eventually kind of, um, he has opportunities to improve his game even further. So I'm pretty excited about it overall. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, offside, it's something you can fix. It's not like, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm an advocate of, of, of Atletico Madrid. So I knew how he was kind of struggling. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great in any sense. So, that's kind of something to think about when he, before he did come here um, for the second time is what I mean. But uh, yeah, I know it's been great so far settling in no problem. Um, that's what I kind of liked it. You know, when we get these good fits, unfortunately that was the structure of the deal, but when you get a really good fit, that's something that you need to hold on to because like you said, uh, a good fit is worth a million in the bank. Um, it's, it's for, you know, obviously the collective, the players getting along, you see, you even saw with, with Manzukic, uh, unfortunately, maybe who knows we could bring him back to as like a super sub or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, cause I, 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 I'm hearing this, uh, Dybala talk with, uh, Icardi and I don't know, do we need another number nine with someone doing so well? That's, that's on that level of wage. I don't know. It just doesn't seem who's someone who's kind of a disruptive personality. Does Juve really need that? Especially when we've seen what Alvaro's done. I don't know. Um, I think we're, we're pretty good in that department. Um, mm-hmm. But Dybala was subbed a hundred, a hundred times uh, since he's joined Juve more than only Del Piero and Camoranesi. So he's in good company. <laughs> but um let's talk about holland i don't know if you heard it. this is a little bit again some of these you know news takes are a little bit older but i wanted your thoughts obviously he said at the beginning of 2018 uh juve wanted me but i was too young 17 and it was better for me to start gradually and play with continuity at obviously salzburg so this was even before uh the whole the whole summer saga took place um but what are your thoughts? Do you, you know, have you been, obviously the guy's been doing fantastic for my fantasy team in Champions League. 
um, but uh, and scoring like crazy. But was it just the wrong time to pick him up at UV? What do you What do you think? Um, because I know fans go on like it's literally like conversations will just every time we stop scoring, it's brought up or he does score. So yeah, I think. Um, I don't know if we had what it what we needed to go for him. It seems like we did. You know, we could have kind of balanced some trade-offs to make it happen if we really wanted to. Um, so I don't know if you've seen as too risky of a prospect um, or if we wanted to go for like a surefire thing, uh, somebody who was already mature enough. But in hindsight, it seems like we missed out on, op- on an opportunity. For him. sure. Um, but having said that, Juve rarely goes for younger players, even at a high level. I mean, Direct was um, an exception to that. Um, and we're kind of, you know, more inclined towards uh, more mature players and older players. Um, I hope he comes to you one day. Yeah, uh, that would be awesome. I think the price tag will unfortunately be astronomical. Uh, sometimes you pay what you pay, you pay for what you get, right? Like sometimes yeah. you just you have to. And like I've said this multiple times, hindsight's always 2020. For sure, we're going to be kicking ourselves, but. You know, finances are finances, and you know sometimes that takes and the mistakes you've made carry forward. And you know if that puts you in a position where you can't pick up a, a start. The flip side, devil's advocate to that. I mean, it could have been a flop. Who knows, I mean, right? You could have got injured. Very, that is a very fair point because I can definitely picture him coming here and not getting the opportunity to play oh, very regularly and exactly. kind of sitting on the bench a lot. And playing with the Primavera. Um, no, we've seen that before. So it's like we kind of know. And, you know, even Raiola made comments where he's like, well, you know, he's he's not getting a starting role, right? They're not offering him a starting role. And uh, it is what it is. And that's what we move on. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's scoring like crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think his – Somebody posted this um, stat. I have not verified it, so don't quote me, but um, I think he has scored a goal every seven to six minutes or something during his career, something ridiculous like that. That's that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. I know there's different bio clauses, and we're not quite in January or even the summer yet, but, I mean, who knows? There's lots of rumors about our, even our own players, right? So <laughs> right. we'll have to see who goes and what money we come in, what comes in and what goes out. And COVID's still going to affect us for a really long time. And right. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, on that day, which was, uh, I believe, the 25th, um, Del Piero scored the winning goal uh, for Juve against River Plate. Uh, one of the only clubs that have the, all, all of the, you know, quote-unquote major cups uh with uefa so the intercontinentale was uh, unbelievable jersey with the writing down the side and you know that that's your super cup that didn't exist for all you young kids uh uh out there that that don't realize what that was well that's your 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 best north america your best or european and your best south american teams going head to head uh for a very interesting looking trophy to say the least. Right. right. Um, obviously, getting to the next stage for Juve, we secure 33 million euros, which is always good. Um, 
and more will come obviously from the historical ranking which will be determined depending on how far we you know where our uh, coefficient puts us and then obviously the market pool which will obviously again depend on who advances and who doesn't advance to the next round of uh, the champions league so we'll see what that has to do we'll see with uh, that um and morata's last minute goal in mm-hmm. this game was worth 1.8 million euros which was the difference between obviously a draw at 0.9 million every draw you get 0.9 and every win you get 2.7 in the champions league group stage so obviously if you go the more uh if you can go undefeated you just bring more money to the club um talking about uh maradona i know it's been you know talking points around the world we're just kind of uh, seeing the new jersey that napoli put out there uh, seeing the the, the tributes um, platini apparently was wanted by napoli and he quotes um who would have worn the number 10 um <laughs> maradona because naples is his home and i would have left it to him so kind of interesting to see that he could have gone there obviously he chose juve and i mean that's history right <laughs> um uh unbelievable stories so far just hearing all of the different things obviously if you guys haven't checked out the maradona documentary please do even even if you're not his biggest fan or not it was just very interesting to see the euphoria the uh the the following the the excitement just unbelievable the passion you don't get that nowadays uh you really don't and um what it really meant to be a calcio fan um for whatever team you cheer for so that was really great to see again speaking of Mandzukic again um his agent came out and, and said a couple things obviously Myro prefers not to speak about how he left Juve <coughs> Juventus fans are perhaps the ones who loved him the most they still send many messages to him now he's waiting for a team that believes in him just like Milan believed in Ibra so maybe hinting at some things but again We'll see what happens. Uh, that would be, that would be crazy. That would just be the irony of all ironies. Uh, with coming back, going, coming back, not getting along. But we'll see what happens. Um, no UV player made more key passes than Juan Cuadrado. We'll get your opinion on him since the start of the season. He's also UV's top assist provider with five assists a season, four in Champions League, one in Serie A. Um, and whoever posted that, I can't remember. I think that was on. Uh, around Turin, but underrated medium star. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. What do you think of Guadalajara so far? Um, I think he has performed above his baseline. Um, to me, he's still kind of... Um, like, I love him as a guy, but I think he has his deficiencies as a player. And um, he can lack consistency. I'm not sure if his mentally strong enough. And an example of that is that when he has a clear shot, he normally scuffs it. You know, he, he, his mental yeah. game isn't quite there. Um, and the and, amount of crosses. And the right. amount of crosses he's got to take. And usually yeah. he'll get one, right? Usually he'll yeah. get that one that'll make him look good. Right. But at the same time, I think he has stepped up when he needed to. So, um until we find somebody better, I guess we stick with him and, uh, yeah. you know, let it play out. But um, he's, he still makes me nervous defensively sometimes and yeah. also in, in attack. Um, I'm never sure if he's going to deliver or if he's going to give me a little 
tiny heart attack when he's trying to <laughs> play a ball or, you know, if he's going to try to take on defenders rather than playing the ball into the box or take the right shot. Yeah, I think I think we're kind of teetering now between, you know, respecting the player and respecting what he did to people openly defending him, even though he is making those mistakes and not realizing, hey, it's not about Cuadrado, the player. We respect that he went into a right-back position, but we know that we need so much more in that position. So I think we're kind of going back and forth and we're almost getting too pissed. We're, we're taking it personally sometimes against him because, you know, you see that it's like, oh, like another mistake. It's like you keep seeing it and you're like, we could have fixed that. We could have got a player, but we didn't. And like, we're stuck in the situation. So you can't fault the guy as always, because, you know, if he comes in and, and puts in a de- decent effort, but you're just like, you're just like, you're always cringing. You're always like, uh, like wincing because you're like, we know what we could have. Uh, we know we need an improvement. We know where his, his strengths are. And, you know, he always gets that seam to get that one cross. That's perfect. That'll make him look better. Take away kind of what, what has gone wrong in the game on the defensive end. But even, you know, you look in the Benevento game, even in this game, some crosses, you know, he, he, he can make and he makes the, the runs and, I, I appreciate that. But again, it's just like, uh, we need a little bit more. We need a little bit more out of him. Yeah, I mean, he is... If you look at historically what Juventus material means, yeah, like over the last 30 years, let's say, um, he is definitely a notch at least below Juventus material. Yeah. And probably a couple of notches below world-class material um, or more. And... That is kind of a fact, in my opinion. You know, he's he's not um, um, he's not an elite right back or uh, whatever position you put him in. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he has passion for Jersey, and he oh, yeah. has played played in a position, new position, and he has uh, uh, kind of stepped into a role when he needed to, and. Um, um, try to kind of restrain himself and, um, you know, not play outside of his level. Um, so he's kind of restrained himself and uh, I respect him for doing that. Um, so, and I think a lot of fans appreciate that he did all that. Um, so, yeah, again, I think, um, can he deliver on the big stage? That remains to be seen. Um, but in the meanwhile, I think if he kind of, you know, keeps his head down and yeah. like tries to be, you know, not necessarily flashy, but kind of a no-nonsense player and do right. the do the basics right, um, that would be um, something that we need a lot at this moment. Yeah, I agree. Agree 100%. Um, but a couple more of uh, one transfer and a couple of missed stats for me. Um, but I guess I didn't I jump the, the gun there a little bit. Uh, man, you obviously aren't focusing on Ronaldo at the moment. I don't know if anyone's hearing Fabrizio Romano on his own podcast. Uh, there we go. Um, and uh, people around Juventus have always said uh, he'll stay next season, so let's see what happens. Uh, still to go. Um, only Holland six has scored more goals than Morata five so far in the Champions League this season. Um, only one goal in the competition to become Juve's fifth all-time top goal scorer in the history. 
So that's pretty crazy. Um, but for for rankings, obviously he had the highest seven and a half best player according to Gazette de los Sport, and Dybala was the worst with five. Shocking. <laughs> but um, we'll get into the uh, we'll get into the formations right away. Some batch stats, um, and then the minute by minute recap. But uh, before that. I hope you guys are enjoying Cafe Ala Juventinida. Um, I know some people are like, that's not the, the proper way to say it. Uh, but it just, it, it rolls. It rolls off the tongue, and that's all I wanted. I like the way it sounds. Um, and I hope you guys are enjoying it. The first kind of official, official episode today. The new logo. So please follow, guys. Please subscribe. Drop a comment. Drop a question. Um, you know all the platforms. Um but thank you for all the support. I really appreciate it. And um, you guys make this thing run. So uh, let's keep her going. Um, 442 was the UVA's, I guess, documented formation. Uh, we go back and forth, obviously, with three at the back with, in possession in the offensive end. Um, but the usual teching goal, Alexandro Delic, Danilo Cuadrado, and Bernardeschi made the start in this game with Artur Bentegord McKinney and Ronaldo Dybala, which was, I think, for a Juve fan, uh, very intriguing to see both of them, thinking that we can get that link up. Um, Fenning Varos with the 5-4-1 formation. Again, they have two fullbacks, so you can essentially call it a three. You guys understand. Depends how you want to document it. So, um I don't think they had too many different players in the lineup. Obviously, they had Lovrencic, Blazic, Frimpong, Diwali. Heister is kind of your five. Um, Tokmak, Somalia, Seeger, and Zubkov as your four. And then Uzuni up top, who was the goal scorer for them, obviously. And Debush in goal. Um, from Juve's perspective, any surprises? Were you happy that we got to see both uh, Ronaldo Dybala, obviously Bernardeschi coming back? Uh, with a great effort in that game against Cagliari, and that's why he kind of gets to start again. Um, Rabio, I think, was more of a, a rest, and obviously McKenny and Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey obviously came on uh, later, but uh, maybe fitness was a little bit of an issue, so these guys get the start. I believe Bonucci wasn't fit, so that's why he... Uh, uh, he didn't make it into the squad. I know there was kind of some questions about whether he would or not. And there was some thought that he might, but nope, this is who we get. Uh, and what are your thoughts, Farouk? Uh, I think the big surprise was obviously uh, Bernadeschi. And uh, the bigger surprise was how well he played. Yeah. Um, so those were the main takeaways for me. Um, I was happy to see Dybala and Ronaldo playing together after a while. Um it was, I mean, I guess Quadrado had a pretty strong performance um, in that match. But overall, I thought that, um, I don't know how to say this name, but uh, French Varosi or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, they defended like, I mean, like pro level. They were so good. <laughs> you know, the tackles and sliding challenges and they were just they had so much heart. So I was actually impressed by the defending a lot. And I kept thinking, why can't we defend like that? You yeah. Know, if a no-name team can do that. And we have all this money and all these defenders. Granted, we have injuries and all that. But 
still, you know, there's no comparison. Yeah. So um, I was just thinking, I hope that our team takes a lesson from this that, hey, look at these guys, you know, they're kind of semi-pros. Or, compact, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. compact, strong on the ball, you know, sitting behind when they need to, countering when they need to. Yeah, I agree, 100 perfect point there. Um, and kind of a side note that I want to kind of bring before we get into, you know, the mic, because really whatever it now, and I think, um, speaks to exactly what you have to say. And even some of the stats, you know, I think uh, this whole game was kind of a, a toss-up in terms of what, how we actually played and how Pirlo, not a toss-up, but kind of a pretty predictable, um, unfortunate mess of how we played. Um, but the side note is those kits were beautiful. Like, I'm sorry, Nike had us on there. Like, the pinstripe kits... Black and green. I mean, I know some people are confusing Sassuolo, but mm. unbelievable job, Nike. I know we're getting this like, kind of 90s vibe thinking uh, are happening for next year, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what those look like. Um, but yeah, Nike will checks over stripes, as they says, Drake famously said. Um, yeah. But yeah, like unbelievable kits. Yeah. Another thing, we look at the match stats and it's a blaring concern for us. 20 crosses in this match mm-hmm. and that was the theme i mean we had 66 percent possession for us 34 for fedding vados 19 shots on goal for us seven or 19 shots total seven on goal nine for fedding vados and two for fedding vados was on goal um but yeah 20 to 5 in crosses and that was the story it was almost like we took out a chapter we took a chapter out of allegri's book but we're defensively vulnerable the whole game. Um, and for passing, I think we did kind of, we had the volume that we needed on with 719. They were, the amount of damage they were able to do with only passing 368 times was unbelievable. And only having a 75.5% pass success rate, where we as whereas we had 87.8, just speaks to how this team needs to play in a certain way to get the chances we do um it seemed like we crossed the ball and we would put it down the wing and then we get kind of you know that some of the chances we had and we'll talk about how cristiano scored was cutting in so again it was all seemed like we took a pay and again defensively when you have those fullbacks what i was going to mention when we're talking about the lineup but our fullbacks are playing way too high um, and they're not helping out and they're not recognizing the occasion when they have to come back and the midfielders aren't, you know, in sync with them either. So if one goes up, you kind of have to get someone to, you know, either take his place or kind of not go too far back, but realize that, Hey, if something gets out of hand, I'm going to have to step in for either Cuadrado or, um, Alexandro. And, um, that just wasn't the case. Um, they were moving freely, uh, even in the Benevento game that I'm going to get into next with some from some some guys you're going to know, uh, some shitsters. But it's 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 too obvious. And to me, as a coach, if that happens in the first 45 minutes, that's fine. But we didn't correct anything in the second half. So let's kind of go through the game now, moment by moment. And we started the game. I found way too aggressive. We we're fouling like crazy. Um, 
but it kind of shows showed how we were gonna you know set set up in possession you had alexandro matias delict and danilo kind of as your back three there sitting holding the fort when you had you know bernardeski quadrado and mckinney kind of moving quadrado was really high up again as always and um but for the first five minutes no real chances um crossing in again i said what the fuck are we doing it's reminding me of the start of the Cadiz game, and I'm like, okay, so when is the when is the Kulusevski moment gonna happen where he starts to cut in and we start com- the combination play, the combination passing, the one twos, but we didn't really see that. Um, eighth minute, you know, Fedek turns it around on us. They test the middle of the park, and you know they get some pressure on us. Ten minutes in, we got a cup ball too long. Um, kind of feeling it out 14th minute Ronaldo crosses in Dybala gets on it but again at the keeper was a nice chance though so again he's he's, he's trying he, he's, he's working um but 16th minute finally starting to play through the middle uh getting chances and I just I don't know why we kind of switch off to this after a while you know, it's like we get we in this game where we had a couple of chances, but we're we're trying to get, and then we would revert back to okay, let's just go into cross. Eighteenth, um, and this is kind of where you know everything starts. Uh, Flick, obviously, and this is why I was kind of shit talking Delict a little bit because we get into the whole DiBala, you know, tug on the shoulder thing, talking to the ref situation against Benevento. Delic decides to pinch and go for this header, which he loses. So again, that's not the complete fault. I, we look at the, the whole situation with Dybala and the Lazio goal at the end there. And these situations is just a colossal mistake after mistake uh, of certain players. So flick of the ball, obviously hits D- D- Danilo and you think he's going to take care of it. But he falls over and, you know, the Fenning Varos player completely takes advantage. Okay, well, now we have Alexander who sprints in there and you think, okay, maybe he's got it. We have obviously have another player, Uzuni, coming in um, who is as well covered by, I believe it was Danilo again. And <laughs> Fenning Varos player crosses it in, deflects off Alexandro. <laughs> And basically to a guy wide open who wasn't covered nearly as tough as he should have been marked and kicks the ball into the net. So there's the one nothing to Federico Varos. And now we're, um, or I believe it was Cuadrado actually with the poor coverage. Um, and we're down one nil. And what were your kind of thoughts, you know, leading up to that moment and then seeing that take place on the pitch? Yeah, I um, always have a bad feeling when we're creating chances and we're not being clinical. And I keep thinking it's going to come back to bite us. And a lot of times it happens. Yep. Um, so that, that's the first part. Second part is it was just, um, you know, a complete mess. Yeah. It was a disaster, disaster class in defending. That's like an example of how not to defend, you know? Oh, well, yeah. And um, what can go wrong will go wrong, as they say. <laughs> right. right. 
Um, so it was complete chaos and complete another chaos. And uh, we um, let ourselves down. I mean, this is like basic stuff that you defend, that you learn how to do in training. And, um, you know, like you said, three or four times we would, should have been able to pick that up and do something about it at least. Well, then, so what happens is, and then in the 20th, so just right after that, we go back to this horrid crossing again. And then in the 24th, for some reason, and I've, I've noticed this, so we get the fullbacks up really high or the winger, whatever you want to, wingers, whatever you want to call them. But then we also have the midfielders who slide in. So you're obviously, you're opposite of, in this game, I believe it would have been Artur being your holding kind of player. So Bentancur and, 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 and Bernardeschi and McKinney would kind of push up and you'd come up to this like flat line up top. And it's just, and Dybala would then now have to kind of swing back and come come low and try and pick up the ball eventually towards, you know, before he got taken off. But um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It was something similar that we had witnessed in the Roma game where we just had this line of kind of midfielders and, and it's like, okay, who's going to play the middleman? Who's going to distribute? You know, you're not going to get the ball from Artur to the top when there's nothing in between, no one to play yeah. between the lines. Right. So I thought we were, you know, unfortunately, um, and it was nice to see Alexandra back again. I forgot to mention that right. uh, playing a full 90 minutes, even though, you know, again, mistakes were made and it is what it is. Um, but 27 minutes, Ferencvaros sitting back. Um, still too many crosses from wide. 30 minutes, another break. Splits us so easily. Um, and I, I think I said this perfectly. If Ferencvaros doesn't mess up, we would have had a real problem. They missed, I think, two, three, four good chances where either the, the guy kind of bobbled the ball or he lost it. A couple over, over uh, passes that were a little bit too long. They could have easily... You know, the way they were moving the ball, they could have done so much damage. So we were kind of lucky in a sense. I know we talk about, oh, Ronaldo scoring and we scoring at the last minute, Morata. I mean, there's a lot of chances. You look in all these games, there's chances where teams could come back. You look at the Cagliari game where the goal was offside, but hey, they opened that game up at 2-1. What does that become? They were pushing. Um, it's just constant similar talking points. And that's why I think a lot of people are getting on Pirlo now even after this latest game. But again, we got to fix it. I know he doesn't have the experience, but he's got to... If we can all see it, the maestro that is Pirlo should be able to see it and be able to fix it. Right. I think it's pretty common sense, right? So, Well, I think, you know, that's like a common theme running from last year yeah. where I've had the feeling that, um, like, we have a very nice racing bicycle yeah, that has very nice parts, but we cannot find any grease to make it work. You know, it's it's rusty, well said, it's well said. rusting, it's it's just kind of out of sorts. Like the parts are all there, or mostly there, but we're playing way below our potential, and um, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly. You know, if we don't have the right managers, if we don't have the right support structure in terms of giving the managers the right players that they need, a uh, bit of both. Um, you know, in an ideal world, we should be going after P 
people like Eric Ten Hag of um, Ajax or people like, um, what's the guy's name? The, don't say Guardiola. Please don't say Guardiola. No, 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 no. no. The, <laughs> uh, the, the, the Red Bull uh, guy that Milan were after. Oh, um, oh my gosh. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that Partici would be out, right? Um, or maybe Ned would be out too. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's weird. No, go ahead. Cool. Continue, man. Continue. So, so I think, you know, we need to kind of start also looking at um, options like outside our traditional way of doing things. Agreed. Um, if we're really trying to shake things up in terms of our marketing, our branding, then why not our sporting direction as well? True. Um, and take some risks there. Uh, but having said that, you know, Perla is a risk and uh, I hope it pans out. There's, it's still early in the season and there's going to be growing pains. Um, I think things are going to be, I have a feeling, I, I, I guess I don't know if I can substantiate it, but I have a feeling that after um, New Year, things are actually going to turn around a little bit and we're going to start getting things to gear and, um, you know, maybe hopefully we don't peak in March, hopefully we peak a little bit later than March, um, but we start building up toward that after the New Year. Yeah, um, I hope so too. Yeah. But I think until New Year, I think until the end of the year, our task is to kind of make sure we don't fall too far behind um, because I don't see it as kind of going from like we're all the way down here. I don't see it coming yeah. all the way up here. All of a sudden, I see it kind of like a gradual turnaround. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think we can we can get to that point and like. You know, I am kind of in a pessimistic mood, but I, I definitely still, like I was saying earlier, like it's definitely not, oh, nothing's over. There's still lots of room. We just got to put in the work. So at the end of the day, we have our own destiny in our, destiny in our hands. Um, let's get back into it. Obviously, Ronaldo telling players to push up. I don't know. I just find it really cheesy when he does this. Like, yeah. he gets angry for like no reason and then misses chance here and Clint. He's not as, yeah. I don't know, just just focus on your game. Like, well, I think, I think the thing is, like, uh, with Ronaldo, right, um, we can, and we have talked in the past about, you know, 30 million a year, whether or not it's worth it and what yeah. we did up front. Uh, but the point is that we shot ourselves in the foot in the sense that, you know, show me the support that Ronaldo had at Real Madrid or something close to well, that. yeah. <laughs> right? And um, then it would be worth it. But if we just get Ronaldo and don't get any of that support around it, it's not going to work. And obviously, you're going to have a hard time. You know, he can still score like 20, 30 goals a season or whatever he's been doing. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we'll get into that right next. <laughs> right. But, but, but you're going to be becoming dependent on, on Ronaldo for one because your sports structure is not there. And secondly, yep. um, you're not going to get the best out of Ronaldo. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a tough situation where. Um, we're not extracting the most out of Ronaldo, and um, well, I think we are. I just think it's not. I think we're not extracting the most out of the team, right? Personally, right. you know what I mean. Like I think, right. I think we're getting as much as we can out of Ronaldo because of just the sheer talent. And maybe you would get a little bit more, right? Because you know, as you have a what. Well, I just think that's what you get by bringing in Ronaldo. Like you're going to have this guy who needs to be serviced. You're going to have a guy that's 
and people are saying everybody needs servicing. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. You need servicing, but when you have a more of a back and forth or, you know, a system where it's kind of cohesive, the, 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 all the parts are functioning as one, you know, so everybody's getting service, the rate service, they know where to go. They know where to make their runs midfielders. I think this is too much, obviously, like you said, too reliant, but I also think um, it's when, when he's trying to signal push up, push up, when we already have these fullbacks, you know, already going, it's just leading to more, just let, let us play the way we need to play. Let the coach worry about that. You don't need to be telling players push up this, that, because I know he was doing it the years before and it's just, it's, it's, those are the times when we actually should have been pushing up and we never did. Now we already are pushing up. So how much further does he want them to go? Like, I mean, it may be in those moments, right? But I see that, but I also see that a lot of times when we have a situation where Ronaldo or Murata are in the box and maybe one fullback is up there, um, our midfield is just like sitting back and waiting for the ball to fall back. And yeah. Instead of, you know, like if you look at, um, you said Guardiola, so I'm going to say Manchester City or, you know, a bunch, you could, you could have any number of teams really, but imagine a team pushing back and going in waves where they're kind of oh, yeah. the opposition defense, you know, um, that should be, that's what attractive football is. And that's what attacking football is. And yeah. you're kind of far away from that. Yeah. We're like, on a, we're riffing on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're riffing on trying to do that but um what a fucking shot um yeah how does he score though he cuts into the middle duh um i've been i said this i don't know how many times but we got to go through the middle um it was a brilliant effort brilliant goal um i don't know it's 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 pretty self-explanatory we got the players that can have that combination play that you know, it seems like we're getting it a little bit better than we did last year. And guys are kind of making better runs and, you know, the flick-ons between Morata and, and Rabiot and Artur and uh, Ramsey, uh, even Dybala in some senses, um, are a lot better than last year. But I just find that for whatever reason, and I don't know if that's Pirlo telling or Tudor or whoever, but we're going down the wings way too often. And like well, I said, in this game... It showed you we crossed 20 times and we connected on one, which was thankfully the winning goal at the end. Um, but even right after this one, um, after a goal or a big chance, we give up big opportunities and it's fitting Vanos coming down the other way. Um, now some long shots in the 40th, 42nd, Alexander making some pretty good runs, which I was, I was happy with and kind of, you know, uh given these to you know some people who've been hating he can i think he can make those runs and he showed it a couple times in this game where he can get up there i think it's just what the coach is telling and you know how it's being implemented so i I think that was good to see um 45th basically defensive shambles no connections not clinical um what does it say id Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes I can't even read my own shit. But um, it's – or low IQ football, basically. Um, I don't know. Well, oh, I, think, I think part of it is that, I, you know, the thing that Sari said kind of stuck with me and people made gave him a lot of crap for that. But he said that these players don't listen to me. 
Yeah. Right. And I think there's some truth to that. I don't think he was making it up to, to kind of get pressure off himself. And I think Curler's probably trying to create an identity, but it's going slower than he expected. Than he expected. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's definitely like a lot of, seem to be a lot of mixed signals. Like he's saying something, players are interpreting it in a certain way. Um, there's like lack of cohesion. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be a clear direction. Um, so I think there's that element. And then um, you see things going right every now and then too, but they're not right. for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, not even for one whole match, you know? Well, exactly. Like I said, in even in, even how good we looked in that Cagliari game, we pretty much just fell asleep in the second half and just said, oh, right. well, it's we're up two goals. It's done. So who cares? Right. And then when we start this half, horrible connections again. Um, 50th still crossing the fucking ball I wrote down. <laughs> we got a free kick, Ronaldo off the wall. We know how it is. Um, 56th. And I wrote this specifically because there was a there was a moment where um, Dybala kind of had an opportunity. I think it was a one-on-one with a defender. And the ball was kind of pushed out ahead of him. And I don't know, he just, he doesn't seem to have that breakaway speed. Um, yeah, and it's just, I don't know if it's still, if he's still getting, you know, with these stomach pain, this flu or whatever, the the, the, the virus that he had, kind of the... the... Well, my, my whole thing is, I mean, my take on it is that Dybala's deadly, like his weapon is not his speed. It's his trickery and dribbling. True. um that's where he kills it and um in order for him to be effective he needs to be further up front you know somebody needs to tell him hey Dybala we don't care if you're not getting the ball ball yeah. we don't care if you're not getting creating enough chances stop worrying about that just hang out there you know be like Murata just like well I mean Murata is coming back too but yeah. like hang out there and just wait for the ball to come to you and then do something with it. That's where we need you the most. So I think we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by, for whatever reason, when he's coming back, because... Yeah. And I, so, like, again, I don't know. I want to get your take on this, though. So do you think it's him personally thinking? Because I've kind of... Not a revelation, but I was just thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, maybe he's out there, and he's kind of get put, getting pushed to the side, and he, he's seeing some of the other midfielders. So is he thinking, you know, he's 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 obligated to come back and maybe he's like, well, I don't see it happening. So he's trying to make chances. He's he maybe he's, he's yeah. overthinking it. He's coming back saying, well, maybe they need me to come back to get the ball. Right. I don't know. I just think. Yeah, I think he gets frustrated. And I think like sometimes he's, he's coming back and he's saying, well, I have to come back or else I'm not going to get the ball because maybe yeah. the connection isn't great with some of the guys who have played together for longer because he's he's obviously had this time off and not as played, you know, as a starter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the, the problem partially is that our midfield for the last couple of years, at least, has been kind of missing in action, right? And right now it's getting better, but we're still not quite yeah. there. Um, and that makes him want to come back because he's not getting the service. Yeah. Um, like Ronaldo's not getting the service and Ronaldo's frustrated as well. Uh, but at the same time with Dybala... I think he's getting his frustration is getting the better of him. He gets frustrated, then he then he like subconsciously starts falling back. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I just 
I think the way it's set up, not to you know defend, defend, defend to the Calzamon, but I just think I think the setup is a little. I don't know. It's it, is it maybe they're not getting clear instructions because I just I don't see, especially because we've seen it for pretty much every game he's played, barring the one that he just came on to kind of caretake and we were sitting back against Lazio. I don't think that was. I don't think anyone could take much out of that one. We were we were holding on to a one goal lead essentially. What that was, um, and you could even look at how you know Morata was was and even Ronaldo or Morata we're kind of sitting back. We weren't really taking advantage of our chances. Um, but I think it's a miscommunication because I see these midfielders bombing up and making runs and it's just like, okay, well, you guys, someone's got to, someone's got to do the dirty work and get the ball. So I don't know, maybe it's just, it's Dybala thinks this is how he needs to play. Pirlo saying it this way and maybe it's not getting translated. I don't know when it's just working. But I just think there's a little something's lost in translation because our midfielders get really high and Dybala seems to always and you look at it, you know, you freeze frame it and I don't want to get banned. So I'm not going to put it on the screen now, but it's always the scene like it's either Bernardeschi's up there, Cuadrado's even higher than him and he's back and you'll have Artur or you'll have Ramsey and you'll have McKenney and they're all higher than him. So it just, yeah. it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. We got to yeah, figure that I out. I think I don't know too much about his personal life, but um, from what I've heard, it seems like his his personal life has also been having an impact on how well he's playing. Like, you know, imagine you're going through a hard time personally and then you have a job and you're yeah. going into work and you're frustrated and you're taking your frustration out in different ways. Yeah. Or it's well, and, and the contract talk doesn't help too, right? Like Contract talk is definitely, you know, that's the thing. Um, it, it's, it's tough because I don't see it happening at 15 million. Like, I think, you know, the value has kind of gone down this year. Last I would year, agree. They signed the contract. Um, maybe 15 would be justifiable. But right now, you know, with COVID, especially teams are kind of trying to cut yeah. down on costs too. See, um, but I think that in terms of that, just quickly, I think there's workarounds for that. There's a potential lower base salary with incentives. You know, there's lots of ways to spin it, right? It doesn't need to be a base of 15 plus, yeah. you know, and Juve knows that. And, you know, they're trying to play hardball with someone they've already tried to get rid of when then he comes off and pulls that season. And I think right then they should have been signing a contract after last season. I know we're in these situations, but um, I, I, that's a player. I, I, I still think that's a, that's an untouchable. I, yeah. I think we got to get over this whole talk. And if it, if that means he's got to go, he's got to go. But um, I think something's got to change or else we're not going to see, we're not going to see a difference. Um, I think it's like a dance of fire between Dybala, yeah. um, Pirlo, Nedved and Paratici right now. And it's like a dangerous there's a lot of talk. There's, there's, there's like a lot, lot of stuff going on. And um I don't know what the eventual outcome is going to be, but um, well, wait. you know, in the best world, in the best case scenario, Pirlo and Dybala figure it out. Like Pirlo kind of gets him to play where he was playing under Sari, yeah. and um, last year, and uh, Dybala is in a happy place psychologically. Yeah. Um, and 
then things gonna shape up for the better. Um, I just don't know if, if I'm trying to think from the Pirlo's point of view right now, I don't know if he's thinking that, hey, Dybala is a, um, if he's like a critical player for him or if it's if he's somebody who he can get rid of. So I think when coaches think of players, they also think of like long-term records. And right. with Dybala, it's been like a little bit topsy-turvy, like he's had down years and up years. Um, and you could argue that he's a great player and he has the potential, still has the potential to be world-class even though he's like 26, 27 or whatever at the moment, but um, let's leave that aside. But in order to be world-class, you need to have the level of consistency where, you know, shit happens to everybody, but world-class players like just deal with that shit better, better yeah. because they are... But, but you know what, Farouk, I think the one thing I'll push back on that is I think we've seen so much of Messi and Ronaldo putting these years of, you know, year after year after year. I mean, you look at Griezmann really well at, at Atletico Madrid. You don't even hear, you didn't even hear about him for a couple of years. Sure. Mbappe does really well, then chokes against Man U, chokes, I think, almost, well, they lost again uh, this year. Uh, yeah. Lost, but then they go to a final, but then eh, you don't really see much out of him in the final. So I just think in general, I think these are players that are top tier, but you know, they have bad, you know, they have bad runs. Um, but again, I, I don't think that's the reason why kind of things are going wrong. I'm just thinking, you know, it's, it's really tough to be at that consistent level when you're comparing to someone who, you know, are of those two statures, you know, those two right. gold statures. Right. So, yeah, no, that's a fair point. I, Point well taken. Um, and, um, you know, what is his level? Like, um, who are the players at his level? That, that could, that's like a whole separate discussion, like right. kind of comparing <laughs> him to Lautaro and, um, you know, kind of the, like the second semi-elite yeah. tier of players and how they've been doing and seeing if we can draw insights on, you know, if not Dybala, then who do we get? Who will be True. his replacement? Well, that's the thing. It's not as easy, right? We talked about the Icardi rumors, but let's... Uh, ago, right? So that's kind yeah. of the hard part. Like, how do you how do you conceptualize it? Yeah, it's true. It is true. Um, 59th, Berna with blast a shot from long range off the post. And I was like, shit, so that unlucky. would have been... So this guy can't catch a break, but... Um, oh, he really can't. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully he can... Even get his value up. That's all I ask. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think if we can keep him at a fairly consistent level to get some money out of it, I think everybody's happy at the end of the day. But again, right after that great chance, Fenigvados comes down again, right easily the other way. So 61st minute wholesale change, almost if you want to call it. Back in the old days, uh, Morata comes on for DiBala, Chiesa comes on for Bernardeschi, Kulusevski comes on for McKenny. And it almost seems like we're playing a 4-2-4 at that point. Uh, really heavy attack. Um, and um, Morata threw to Ronaldo in the 68. And he makes a little of a mistake. Should have been more critical or cl clinical at that moment. 75th. Nice chance by Morata. Uh, run off the post. Um, what is it? Just useless. Subs making no difference. Yeah. 
I, I didn't think the subs had it in them this game. Um, Kulusevsky, I think, maybe was was a little bit better from a start of the game than the sub in this particular instant. Um, but, yeah, he wasn't particularly great. I think Morata was all right, and Chiesa was almost inexistent. Um, 80th yeah. long-range shots wide or, or on the post. Crosses our story of the game. Um, another – so – we pretty much had to put a full bench. Ramsey and Rabiot come on for Artur and Bentancur. And all five subs needed to beat Fedeng Vados. Like, really? Yeah. I just, it, it was not a good game. Um, I kind of hate these 80 plus minute subs because it's giving them no enough. time to have an impact. Like, you're going to be nervous and you're going to be like, okay, I have to do something, but I don't have any time to do it. So I think we should make subs by 75th minute or before, you know? Yeah. Like, just kind of give them at least 15. Like, take the risk that somebody's going to get injured yeah. or get a red card and you'll be fine. Exactly. But 90 plus two, Cuadrado with the one cross of the game that finally, finally connects with Morata, <laughs> whose header, yeah. uh, you know, even that, you look at how it snuck through the goalkeeper as well, and you're just like, shit. I mean, that was a, like, I watched, I didn't watch the game live. So I knew what the score was. I kind of yeah. knew the mood. Um, but I watched it after and I'm like, Ooh, that one was even like that right between the five hole there. Like I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised he didn't save that. Um, right. Exactly. Two one. It doesn't matter in the end, but the this team's nowhere near where we need to be. Um, and like I said, we needed to put runs together yeah. and essentially guys, that was the tail of the tape there minute by minute. Um, let's get right into three up, three down. So who do you think kind of your, your three worst um, on the day? And who do you think were your three best? Um, and I so am going to put Dybala in here because I don't want to get hate for saying I kiss his ass too much. I think, you know, it just wasn't good enough. He wasn't up to snuff. Yeah. Um, but anyways, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think Kenny was pretty average. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, the ball, I think, was he wasn't terrible, but you know, yeah, wasn't expect more from him. Um, and I'm trying to remember, did uh, Tech mess up something in this game, or no, not in this game? That was the defense, that's why I'm gonna put Dibala as the three down, one of the three down. I'm gonna put Quadrado because really the 20 plus crosses and you know, the mistakes and you know. Uh, some of the stupid things he did don't outweigh that one assist. Um, and then essentially Danilo and the defense are going to get that third position because how do you fall on your ass and give the guy the ball? And, you know, Delic pinches. He's been superb. How do you miss that head? How do you let that header get through? Um, and then Cuadrado, how do you miss that coverage and let the guy just shoot past Tech? And uh, Alexandro, you know, how do you not, you know, stop it? You know, you look at... You look at uh, the game against Benevento, like the amount of times where either Dybala had a shot blocked or we had our cross block going in. It was just like that in that situation. Why couldn't we have done that? Right. So those are my kind of three ish. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and then for the winners, I would say the two goal scorers. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Deserved it. And um, besides that, there were no really standouts. I mean, I thought Ardur was kind of a little bit below par. Yeah. Bentoncourt was all right. 
Um, I think Delict has looked good in general since his comeback. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I might throw him in there, uh, but they were not no real standouts. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're gonna pick your goal scorers. I think a third. I don't know. I I kind of uh, I thought our tour was okay, so maybe I'll throw him in. I think the lick, the mistake, because like I, you could throw him in again, same kind of thing. But I thought it was all generally a down game. So I mean, whether you want to, whoever you guys want to argue to put that in that last spot, is up to you. Let's get into the post-match comments from Pirlo. Obviously, up first, um, we've, the players may change, but our style of football must remain the same. We did very well to control the game in the first half, especially. So we need a performance like this to boost the confidence and self-belief of the team. Um, oh, I think I made a mistake. Sorry, guys. I don't think we're going to be having uh, post-match comments. For some reason, those didn't stay in. But anyways, I think what comes out of this game, there's a lot more to do. Um, and the next section usually is... Uh, Speaking speaking of themes of, of messing making mistakes and computers not working, that's funny. But uh, <laughs> let's just get into that. Looking forward to the next game. Obviously, that was Benevento, so we've already seen it. Um, nothing really better. Um, a team that really had, took advantage of their chances was really pressing. Um, but in general, where do we go from here, uh, Farouk? Uh, what do you think? What do you think of what's been happening so far? Um. So, I think we go to Barcelona and we need to really show an impressive performance there, you know, yeah. not because it really matters that much. Like, I guess we will get some extra money if we win. Yeah. And like first place, at, potentially, right? First place um, and all the um, benefits that come with it. But um, um, just because we can have hold your heads high and yep. um you know i'm i think we got kind of embarrassed in the first leg and uh True. <laughs> we need to go back there and kind of really flip the tables game yeah i mean i think that's the biggest challenge and then looking at the calendar i mean there's obviously dinamo torino um Genoa, Atalanta, Parma. Yep. Holy crap, there's, there's a bad calendar. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man. These next games, it's <laughs> we got Atalanta in there, Fiorentina in there, Parma, Genoa. So it's it's not going to be easy, but it, it's definitely – I mean, we definitely have the talent. Um, yeah. But I think – I agree with you 100%. You look at this season, we really haven't had any statement oh. wins against right. big teams, right? We didn't get right. the chance against Napoli, even though it's considered a win. W is yeah. a W. Um, Lazio, we didn't look great. Roma, we didn't look great. Um, so we've really not faced any. And then Barcelona, we didn't look good at all. So yeah. it's tough. It's really tough to see. But uh, yeah. I, I hope for morale purposes, I think that would be that would be huge for our confidence going forward if, if we could pull a win there. Yeah, especially with Milan coming up early next year. We have to be in the right spot mentally. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So that's perfect. Um, again, these are gonna be the same questions as in podcast 61, which is the next one. So, you know, my answers, um, we're definitely gonna ask Farouk for his, 
And it starts off with Mason Vecchia Senora blog at VESI blog. Best midfielders of the season so far. What are your thoughts, Farouk? For Juve? Yes. Um, so I think Rabiu has generally been good. Like he's been a little up and down. Okay. But in general, he's been okay. I think Bentacur has been a little under par uh, compared to last year. Um, McKinney is young. I don't expect a lot from him right now. Um, he's kind of, you know, shown some some uh, pedigree in, in certain matches. But um, let's see who else. Um, um, Ramsey has been missing in action, so won't be him. And um, let's see. I think Rabiot's the one that stands out. And then um, Kulczewski, like, he plays more on the wing. So yeah. I wouldn't really include him in that comparison. Artur has been, I think he had one really good game. Yeah. Um, and he's had a few average ones and some below average. Um, but I think he's going to grow into it over time like he's just settling in i yeah. think he's going to be our best midfielder this season i agree which is surprising because i thought i was kind of concerned of what we were getting and not not knowing what what he has um james martino again jimmy this underscore stallion thank you i will see you on uh, la panquina on uh, saturday um if dibala doesn't score will his agent reduce their demands or go to 16 million um who knows man after 2020 who knows (laughs) that's very true with the transfer mark january transfer market just around the corner which one position needs to be reinforced the most you can only have one abdul rahman at ak21rd thank you for the question again um i think given like given our recent injury concerns i would say maybe the defense okay um I think the midfield I'm okay with. Like we have enough depth, but yeah. we don't have enough quality still. And well, that's, that could be okay, right? That, that, that could be okay. Uh, forward line really depends on what happens with Dybala. Like if he leaves, we'll have to obviously cover that. Um, if he doesn't leave, then Ronaldo and Morata are probably going to be all right. Um, yeah. And um, and Dybala when he does play. That's good. Um, Joe Cappuccino f- fueling the fire. Um, is Dybala worth the 15 million per season he's asking for? I think you've answered this already, but quick. I don't think um, I would say maybe around 12. I agree with that, by the way. I would say I would actually go 11 and have like a four million like float, uh, mm. and it's, it's a possibility to get up to that 15 million if he proves his worth and if he gets the stats. Um, Jake Finchuera, thank you again for this next one. Uh, on the recent podcast, it was said that there was plenty of midfielders that are doing what Locatelli is doing in terms of UCL experience, you know, going to World Cup finals, whatever. Um, except out of all of the midfielders, sorry, uh, like Locatelli, Regista's, who would you rather have instead amongst those in the UCL? So maybe talking about Awar, Pogba, um, Van de Beek. Etc. Um, personally, I would go for Van de Beek, oh. and I would aggressively try try to steal Frankie De Jong from Barcelona because <laughs> they are in poor financial condition. So I would keep my eyes open on that one. Hey, there you go. Well, 
Farouk, thank you for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. It's been nice seeing you again. Uh, we got to do this much sooner this this, this next time. Um, and the two-part king still reigns as the two-part king. But this one will definitely keep all in one. But guys, thank you for all the support. Uh, keep watching Café La Juventinita. That's been awesome. It's been so much fun for me. Um, definitely have one of those tonight. We're definitely going to try and, you know, I got to start getting the machine going and, and pumping these out. I got about like three, four videos now. And I got another podcast coming up after this that you guys are highly anticipating. So let's get her going. Thank you again, Farouk, again. YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast. Subscribe, follow, retweets. I appreciate it so much. And uh, as always, guys, fino alla fine. Forza Juventus. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.